we are so thankful to be here. And uh, I wish my wife was here. She makes me look four times as good as I look by myself. But she's back at, at, in, in Columbus, Georgia with our youngest son. And it's so good to be back in the state of Louisiana. I am a Louisiana boy. I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. Anybody from Shreveport in here this morning? I see you back there. But it is so good to be back in a place that fully understands words like gumbo, boudin, who that? Come on, they kick off at three, right? So I can preach till about two and we'll be okay. Is that right? Listen, I am here for one purpose and one purpose only. Over the past 25 years, I've had the incredible privilege of serving in the ministry in the local church just like yours for 25 years. In March of this year, the Lord said, I want you to step out of the boat called the church, and I want you to get on the water called faith. So in March of this year, I resigned my position as worship pastor in Columbus, Georgia, and I just said, okay, God, I'm yours. I'm out of the boat called the church. What do you want me to do? And since March of this year, I want to tell you that JXN or Jackson Ministries has had the privilege of ministering in prisons. Can I share a quick testimony? How many of you would give me one minute to share a testimony? Let me see your hand. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, we're good. So we were at a ladies' prison, a women's prison in Tallulah, Louisiana, back in March. And we begin to worship in that prison. How many of you know the atmosphere changes every time the presence of God comes into a place? And so we're in this prison, and it's a concrete floor. It's a gymnasium. And we begin to worship. And if there's ever a place that the power is not supposed to go out, it's the prison. Are you with me? Can you imagine a prison when the power goes out? Put me back in jail. Amen, somebody. And so we're worshiping. And the power keeps failing. So finally the Lord says, son, I don't want you to sing something. I want you to say something. How many of you know there's a difference between us just singing something and saying something? When we sing something, we're depending on ourselves. When we say something, it's the anointing of the Lord that comes upon us. And in that moment, every person on our team began to come up and share testimonies. Next thing you know, these ladies are weeping and crying in the presence of the Lord. Then at the right moment, the power came back on, and we were able to begin to worship again. And we noticed this group of ladies came all the way up to the front, and they knelt on this cold concrete floor. We thought that was typical, but it was not. We were on our way home back to Georgia when we got the word that one of those ladies that came forward to get saved that night was a lady that was brand new to the prison. And the judge sent special paperwork with her to the warden of the prison to say, be cautious of this lady because she's been involved in witchcraft for many years. And she's got markings all over her body that indicate that she is a worshiper of the devil and that she's involved in Wicca. But that night, in the presence of God, in the Tallulah Women's Prison, 
as we begin to lift up and magnify the name of the Lord. Come on, the Bible says, oh, magnify the name of the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. In that moment, she got marked by a new mark. Come on. Come on. Is there anybody in this room this morning? You got marked by a new mark. Come on. So I have a picture, and I look back at that picture whenever I need encouragement to know that the presence of God changes everything. Come on. I may not get through all of my notes. I may have to skip to page five, but I'm going to do exactly what God tells me to do this morning. Amen? This morning, I've come to encourage somebody, and I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about becoming a weapon of worship. Becoming a weapon of worship. If you have your Bible, turn with me real quick to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Hold your place right there with me if you don't mind. Before I jump into this message, I just want to invite you to stop by our product table in the back. We have just released a brand new instrumental prayer CD entitled Fragrance. Man, I want to encourage you to stop by and get that today. This will enhance your prayer time. It will, uh, I actually got a phone call this week. There's a friend of mine that's a truck driver, and she drives all over the United States of America, and she's a partner with our ministry. She said, Pastor Brad, ever since I've been listening to the fragrance, as I sleep at night, God has begun to give me spiritual dreams. Now, I can't take credit for that, but God can And if you've got a child that's struggling with peaceful rest, I encourage you to get this because this will bless them. Amen? So just stop by the product table. Come visit us. Are you at 2 Corinthians chapter 10? You guys ready? Do you love the Lord this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Do you believe that this morning? Can you read that out loud with me? Come on. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Lift your hands with me all over this place. God, we invite your presence even in greater realms right now. Father, over the next few minutes, speak to our hearts. Encourage us. Let us walk out of this place today with one more weapon that we didn't have when we walked in. And God, we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Becoming a weapon of worship. I have a few questions about weapons this morning. My first question is, what qualifies as a weapon? What qualifies as a weapon? I want you to be thinking about that. My second question is, is a weapon truly a weapon if it's never been used? Come on. For those of us that are in the room this morning, and you've been saved for less than a year, would you lift your hand? If you've been saved for less... Come on, back here in the back. Anybody else? Can you give God praise for what God is doing? You've been saved for less than a year. Praise God. Who's been saved for less than five years? Five years or less. You're you're at New Hope this morning, and you've been saved for five years or less. Right here. Okay. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a weapon called praise. 
There's a weapon called praise. There's a weapon called praise that will draw prodigal sons and daughters home. There's a weapon called praise that will kill depression in your life. There's a weapon called praise. The Bible says to put on the garment of praise. We've got way too many believers and way too many Christians walking around without weapons. And they're clothed in the world instead of clothed with the armor of God. There's a praise that becomes a weapon. Is a weapon truly a weapon if it's not a threat? How many of you grew up in a house where you got whooped? Come on. In the South, we didn't call it a spanking. We called it a, a whooping. How many of you know that my God, uh, my God and my Father, God and the Father, my Father, He would not pull out a shoestring to whoop me with. Would I have any threat in my life whatsoever if my father said, son, if you do that again, I'm going to whoop you, and then he took a shoestring out? I would be fully confident that there would be no pain or devastation or affliction on my body that day. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Our praise does not need to be like a shoestring. Our praise needs to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Which leads me to my next question. Is a weapon truly a weapon if it doesn't inflict pain, devastation, or destruction? I live in Columbus, Georgia. And in Columbus, Georgia is one of the largest army bases in all of our country. And it is Fort Benning. Any men or women in this room this morning who served in the U.S. Army, or are currently serving in the U.S. Army. Where are you at? Any army. Would you please stand this morning? Come on, Bible says to give honor where honor is due. Come on, let's give a hand. Praise God. Sir, have you ever been to Fort Benning before? Fort Benning is 45 miles wide. From one side to the other. It's a place where warriors are trained for combat and war. It's where men are trained to jump out of airplanes to go into battle. And our house is at least 30 miles from Fort Benning. But when they start practicing warfare, we feel it in our kitchen. Are you listening to me? And it doesn't matter what time of day it is. When they start practicing their warfare, we know. Because we hear. I wish I had better sound effects this morning. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say right here in Eunice, Louisiana. When we begin to worship the Lord in this sanctuary. And we begin to sing chains fall, fear bow, here now. Jesus, you change everything. In the heavenly realm. In the part of the spirit world that we cannot see. The enemy is hearing, boom. 
bang. Because the people of God are putting on weapons of warfare. And when you worship, you are placing devastation on the kingdom of darkness. What if you changed the environment of your whole city because you chose to worship? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Now, I see some doubt in your eyes, so let me prove that I'm right. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 10. I know what time it is. Everybody hang tight, hold tight. God is going to do something powerful this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 10 through 19 declares this. The fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah, so that they did not go to war against Jehoshaphat. What you got to stop and realize is that King Jehoshaphat was known to have the biggest and most prepared army on the planet during his time. Nobody wanted to fight King Jehoshaphat until one day, let's keep reading, some Philistines brought Jehoshaphat gifts and silver as tribute, and the Arabs brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. Let's stop and wait for a moment. There's that sound of battle. It's supposed to be playing, so everybody relax this morning. So King Jehoshaphat, who was known to be a warrior in the kingdom of God, Philistines came against him. And they thought they could get King Jehoshaphat to lay down his weapons by offering him animals. A substitute. Can I tell you that your enemy will always try to get you to substitute your praise for something else. There's no substitute for the presence of God. There's no substitute for true, authentic worship. Not only that just tickles the ear because our ears have been tickled long enough. I'm not interested in tickling your ear. I'm interested in shaking the ground. Is there anybody with me this morning? Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful. He he built forts and store cities in Judah and had large supplies in the towns of Judah. He also kept experienced fighting men in Jerusalem. Their enrollment by families was as follows. Listen to the size of this army. From Judah, the commander of units of 1,000. Adnah, the commander with 300,000 fighting men. Next, Jehanahan, the commander with 280,000. Next, Amasia, the son of Zekiri, who volunteered himself for the service of the Lord with 200,000. From Benjamin, a valiant soldier with 200,000 men armed with bows and shields. Next, Jehazabad with 180,000 men armed for battle. These were the men who served the king besides those he stationed in the fortified cities throughout Judah. So if we've learned anything through that passage, we've learned that King Jehoshaphat had a tremendous army. If you're with me, wave your hand in the air and say, yes, I understand. He had a huge army in men's eyes. But we go on later on in the, in the same book, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 20 through 24. This is what happened. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, And as they went, say those three words with me. 
as, say it again. You know, you're not always going to have the answer to every question. Especially in your worship experience with God. Why does the worship team do what they do? Why has it got to be so loud? Why does it got to sound like that? People of God, our, our place isn't a question. It's just to be as I go. The Bible says that as they went, look at what happened. And as they went, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army, and they were saying, say this with me, praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Say it again, everybody. Now hold on a second. Any LSU fans in here this morning? Okay, okay, okay. Why'd you get louder for LSU than you for the scripture? Come on. Say it like you mean it. Here we go. The Bible doesn't say that the men pulled out their guns. The Bible doesn't say that they pulled out their swords or their bows. The victory came out of their mouth. The victory came out of their mouth. Praise the Lord. His mercy endures forever. What happened? This is what happened. Now, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon. What am I trying to say? New Hope, listen to me. When you praised the Lord this morning, the Lord set ambushes against your enemies. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. When you praised the Lord this morning, the Lord who is the great commander, who is the God of war, who is the wheel within the wheel. Come on, who is El Shaddai? Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, the one who cannot fail, sets ambushes against your enemies. I'm talking about becoming a weapon of worship. I'm going to move way ahead because I see what time it is. Many years ago, how many of you know here in the state of Louisiana, it's very awkward for us to have ice and snow. Many years ago, when I lived in West Monroe, Louisiana, my wife came in and she said some words to me. I've learned that women communicate in three ways questions suggestions and emotions so men when your wife asks you a question it's not because she doesn't think you know the answer she's trying to get you to understand something come on wives where you at so if my wife says are we going to go to the beach for vacation this summer what is she really saying that's right. But if I don't get that, if I don't get the question phase of things, then that question turns into a suggestion. 
I think we should go to the... And if I still miss it, if I go past the question and past the suggestion, then the third phase is emotion. We never go to the beach. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My wife is such a realist that if I have failed one time, I, I, I always do that. Any, any other men? You, 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 never mind. This isn't a marriage seminar. Let's get back to our... But I'm so passionate about my wife's desires that when she came in one night and said, baby, I want you to fix me the biggest fire that you've ever made. Yes, Lord. It's going to be a good night. Amen. Fix me the biggest fire that you've ever made. And we had a big fireplace. And I had a lot of oak and hickory, so I went outside and got, got some wood. And then passion came over me. I'm almost done. Everybody relax. Passion came over me. Passion is defined as a force that overrides the mind. When we're passionate about the things of God, we do some things that don't make sense. How long has it been since you and your worship did some things that just didn't make sense? So that night, I did something that didn't make sense. She said, make me the biggest fire you've ever made. So I went. I see some of your eyes. Just stay with me. Obviously, we didn't die. We're still here today. But I went and got a 10-ounce glass of gasoline. Y'all stretch your hands towards me and pray for wisdom. (laughs) I went out and got a 10-ounce glass of, uh, of gasoline. And I poured every drop of that gas on that fire. I see y'all. God help me. (laughs) And I went in and I got a trigger lighter. That's what I call them out in the country. A trigger lighter. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Trigger lighter. And you know, sometimes those trigger lighters, they don't always flame the first time you pull the trigger. Come on. Sometimes you just get a little blue flame. Can I tell you, since gasoline is the most explosive chemical, it should never be lit inside of a home. But the effects of the power in that chemical had already engulfed the atmosphere. So much so. You know, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things not seen. In that living room, I couldn't see the power that was around me. But it was still there. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Pastor John, pulled the trigger and a little blue flame came out of the end of the trigger lighter how many of you know that's all it took 
in an instant, an explosive sound. I was surrounded by the most beautiful shade of orange. True story. It knocked me back six feet onto the couch. My son was just tall enough to look over the back of the couch. And when he saw me land and he heard what happened, he came running in there and he said, he peeked over the couch. Daddy, that was cool. And then he said, to it again. And I'm like, huh? My eyelashes are gone. And my wife's in the kitchen cooking dinner. What happened? Baby, I'm building you the biggest fire you've ever, you've ever had. My time is short. I wish I had more time. But I do, I do not excuse for our extended time of worship this morning. God did some great things. With that illustration, I want to leave you with this. The presence of God needs to fill your home. It'll save your children. It'll give you wisdom. It'll fight your battles. The presence of God, though we may always not always be able to see it, trust me, He's there. And when you feel like you're weak and you have nothing to give, you're not a full flame, but maybe sometimes you just feel like you're a flicker. Can I tell you, God uses flickers to make explosions. Come on. God uses flickers to make explosions. I'm wondering, as we close this service, as the worship team is coming, if there's anybody in this room this morning, you're in a season where you have got to have the presence of God. We're going to close by worshiping and declaring something in this atmosphere. But I'm wondering if there's somebody in this room, you say, I'm, I'm in a battle right now that I know that I can't fight, and I need God to fight the battle for me. And I understand that that battle is going to be won by what comes out of my mouth. If there's anybody in this room that feels that way, you don't have to respond to this, but if that's you, you say, yes, that's me. I want God to take my flicker of faith and make an explosion. And I want you to stand up on your feet. And I want you to lift up your hands. And I want you to begin to just to declare a praise in this atmosphere. Come on. If this isn't for you, I would rather you just stay seated. But if it's for you, I want you to lift up your hands and begin to declare a praise in this atmosphere. Come on. Come on. Ask God to do something explosive in you today.